Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators. They're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them and they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. And today we have a very special episode because we have two guests on. So this is going to run kind of like an open forum conversation, but we'll start in the beginning, giving a little bit of background about each of our guests and learning about their background and what got them into education. So we have Amandi Peter with us today and Kirsty Shakespeare, and I will share a little bit about each of their background before we open up to some questions. So um, I first came to know Amandi through this wonderful group called Big Change Makers. We were in this group that was a beta group for about seven weeks where it was individuals who have projects they want to work on to really like shift systems and work in the area of their passion, where for me, it's education. Also with Amandi, it's with youth. So a little bit about Amandi's background is he is part of the Global Youth Forum. He works with youth to eradicating poverty. He is in Kenya. He does this also through sports. He's also an SDG advocate and he's a coach. And his goal is really to change lives, youth lives and eradicate youth um, poverty in Kenya. So doing amazing work. He was such a vocal person in this beta group for big change makers. And I know Amanda and Mel appreciate all of the work he's doing. So through that, he connected me with Kirsty, um, which is a wonderful connection because also a lot of her work has to do with some of the goals at my current school in sustainability. So I am really excited about this collaboration. Uh, Kirsty is international ESD manager at Trust for Sustainable Living. She's an education, education manager with over 10 years experience developing and delivering sustainability and environmental education to students. And that is one of our big goals at my school is sustainability. I'm actually part of a leadership conference that will be in Berlin this summer with a group of 13 students and my head of school. And they will be partaking in conversations with students from all over the world to look at sustainability projects and then coming back to our school to work on a project that is going to be in our school community or local community. So I, I loved being able to learn a little bit more about Kirsty's background. So thank you both for being here today. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for having us. So my first question. Thank you so well, much, Jackie. Yeah. You're welcome. My first question I'll have both of you answer, but we'll start with Amandi is what was your inspiration to work with young people? Okay, first, thank you, Kasti and Jack and, and Jackie, for being in this warm house today. So good question right there. What inspired me to work with the young people? Very interesting. I want you to imagine being born a young person. Your mom and your dad got to teach you how to scroll, like crawl down, walk, and do all this other stuff. And I, I imagine how I grew up and joined my primary school and going into high school. Obviously, I did love my football. But what made me get into real work with young people was when I got punished for playing football. Because I did feel like there is where my, my passion lied. 
And for just playing that football and sneaking out to go and play that football for the school team, coming back and getting punished, and our punishment was a bit of, you were given a big tree stamp to dig because you sneaked out to go and play. So I found this very interesting because I was so passionate about sports and my teachers probably they wanted me to excel in exams, which I wasn't bad though. I was also trying, but my love for sport was extra. Like I was really into sports and I could escape class to go out and play with a class that had PE and not pay attention to class. Like just, just give me a ball and I will be more excited. And then I went into university and did an agricultural course. And what made this more interesting, again, I got in, involved with the like uh, student leadership, did a lot of things with students. Not much of the things done in class, like was I was interested in those, although I had to pass those exams, so I don't get the, the supplementary. But here is the turning point. My first job was an, an educational institution and one of the terms of reference that made me smile, obviously we got those others, but I was made a football coach. And through that football coaching, I managed to raise half a million Kenya shillings that we donated to a rehabilitation center. And when my contract ended, I started Global Youth Forum to put that into action and give back to the young people. So getting from punishment on what I really did love to getting a job and raising money to support a marginalized group or a community made me get into this work with young people because we got energy, we got the passion and we can do it. So purely that's a long answer to your question, uh, Jackie. So I hope that helps our audience get a bit of, of a sense of what like uh, uh, got me into this space. So thank you for listening. Thank you. I love that. Uh, thank you for sharing such a story going back to your childhood. And it's interesting that this came out of something where you were getting a punishment, but you just found that you love sports so much and you wanted to give that to um, young people. And the fact that you're raising so much money and you have this goal to eradicate poverty and really like boost up the youth in Kenya. I think that's beautiful. And sports can definitely do that. I think any kind of avenue, right, where you can get kids passionate about something. Um, and then Kirsty, tell us a little bit about what got you working with young people. Sure, thank you. So I'd, I'd never intended to go into teaching or education. I did a zoology degree and an ecology, evolution and conservation masters. And, and from a very young age, I'd been interested in the environment and science and animals. So that was very much my plan. And I graduated in 2009, which was the last time we had a major economic crisis, which was a pretty terrible time to graduate. There were many, many graduates with good qualifications, lots of people with work experience that were all trying to apply for the few jobs that were available. So I was applying for any kind of environmental or science based job that I could find and was having the constant uh, conundrum that young people still face of you haven't got the experience that we're looking for. It's great that you've got the qualifications, but you need the experience as well. So I spent two years working in recruitment, so nothing to do with science or teaching at all while I was looking for uh, science based jobs still, but I was volunteering. So while I was at university, I'd done quite a bit of voluntary work with young people. I volunteered at a wildlife rescue centre as well, and that kind of turned me on to the idea of maybe doing something in, in teaching would work. So I then started looking at more education based roles um, and was considering going back to university and requalifying as a, a secondary school science teacher or geography teacher. 
um, and then found a position at the Living Rainforest, which is run by the Trust for Sustainable Living. That's the visitor centre that you can see behind me if you're watching on YouTube. Um, and I applied for an education officer position there and was very lucky to, to secure that role. So that's how I got into the education side of things. It was very much by accident and my my love and passion for the science subject and the environmental subject. I thought maybe I could share it with others. I love that. And I often have guests on here that say that they kind of same way of coming into it by accident. Um, and it's usually through another passion. And yep. again, not only connected with my school, but I love geography. That was, um, I'm a social science major in education, but one of the tracks that you had to kind of use as like your major, like you would take most of your classes in was geography. And I always had a goal to like want to teach that. I have not been at a school where I've taught the actual course of geography. It's infused in my classes, but I love it. So I'm right there with you. And your environment behind you and where you get to go to work every day is beautiful. And so I know that goes right into the the work you're doing with sustainability. So we'll ask you first, and then we'll go over to Amandi about the work you're currently doing and tell us a little bit more um, about your organization. Sure. So the Trust for Sustainable Living is an education charity. We're based in the UK and we run a visitor centre called the Living Rainforest, which is an indoor rainforest. Uh, it's quite a small site. The whole visitor centre itself is only on about three acres of land, but we have around 25,000 school children a year come through as part of our education programme which is linked to the UK national curriculum uh, and explores themes of sustainability and how sustainability is linked with both our lives in the south of England and also rainforests. So we look at things like rainforest resources, medicines, foods, how the rainforest affects our climate and water cycle and all those amazing things that rainforests ecosystems provide for us. Um, my current role now is as International Education for Sustainable Development Manager, so as well as helping out with our site visits for schools that are visiting us, I also work online and run our international competitions programme. So we have a student essay competition and a student video competition every year, which are open globally, and we typically have participation from between 60 and 80 countries each year from uh, students and from the, the teachers that are supporting them on a different sustainability theme. So I actually met Amondi last year when we were looking at the theme of climate justice, um, but we've explored things like protecting biodiversity, uh, who's responsible for protecting the rainforest, and this year we've been exploring the theme of green jobs. So we try and choose a sort of problem that's typically linked with the sustainable development goals that the UN have put forward and we encourage young people to share their thoughts and then the winners of our essay competition get invited to debates which previously have been held as physical events in the UK and Seychelles and British Columbia and Dubai um, and then in 2020 which was the 10th anniversary of doing our international education work they decided that we would go online and try having an online event which coincided you know, fortunately for us, I suppose, with the COVID pandemic and a sudden switch to online education. So we were able to connect with, uh, I think we had over a million views and interactions of the education summit that we created and the student debate. So we've continued to have the online debates taking place because obviously it makes things so much more accessible for many, many students around the world and allows us to have, uh, we typically have 60, 60 to 80 students, primary and secondary that are debating and that might be from 35 or 40 countries that have participated. Uh, so my job is to try and wrangle all of the students on Zoom to have these amazing conversations about sustainability and have the, 
the platform created for youth voices to be shared. And typically we have scientists and business leaders and political leaders that come and attend the education summits as well. So it's a great, great space for two way interaction of, uh, you know, business leaders and politicians sharing their knowledge and their roles and having young people share their ideas with those sort of figureheads of society and sustainable development. Wow, this is great work. And I think it's just so important in the time we're living in. And this generation definitely speaks out about climate change and cares about the environment. They they see that, you know, many of the older generations have not really done as much. And so I think it's like, this is the time we can't just keep putting it on to the next generation. So I think the organization you're working with and this competition is so vital and I'm very excited to learn more about it and possibly uh, look at how maybe my students that are part of this leadership conference maybe how they can get involved as well um, before we go over to Amandi I just wanted to ask so when the students um, go into these debates after the debates if there's like a winner is there something that happens after that is there like a grant or a program to help with that whatever program or project that they're working on? I'm just curious. Good good question. So the prize that we have typically offered, which we've now just been able to start offering again post-COVID, is that we have invited the winning student and the winning teacher and parent or guardian to attend a physical education event that we're hosting. So where previously we've hosted a physical debate, the winner of the essay, essay competition has been identified a few months prior, and then we've worked with them and their teacher and parents to organise for them to come to the debates and typically there's a, a week or so of the debates themselves and then trips and talks and summits around the education theme that they've been looking at so because of covid for the last few years we haven't been able to offer a physical trip but we've been in dialogue with the winners and we're bringing our previous three winners who come from nigeria south africa and india last year to the uk this summer to a special event that we're hosting for them, which involves a trip to the House of Commons. Um, and we're also going to be working with the University of Reading, who are our local university, but are very um, leading at the moment on climate and sustainability education. And we're also going to be exploring some of the uh, Oxford University work on nature-based the Nature-Based Solutions Institute as well. So typically the prize that we have is to enable them to come and meet some of the other students and teachers that have participated in the events that we've been, been taking part in. That's wonderful. And then, uh, you know, obviously getting to, you know, meet people from all over the world and then go and visit some of these universities. I think that's going to be a wonderful event this summer. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Amandi, if you could tell us a little bit more in depth about the work that you're doing and then maybe lead into also how you have come to meet Kirsty and your collaboration. So first, I'm just curious, Kirsty, are you inviting me to UK for the trip? But we will we will have a chat on that. But there we go. Um, good work going on with uh, Trust for Sustainable Living and Teacher podcast. So just speaking from where I left, um, having now worked and raised half a million Kenya shillings to this institution, and this then goes to a drug rehabilitation center, what then happens to my contract? So for you who have been watching this one and following, you remember Kirsty is just telling us, look, what she does is totally different from what she did study. And that is not like totally different from all of us in this room. You can clearly define that passion is driving us. It is like not related to books or anything like that, but it is passion. And we are just following that bit by bit. So then my contract then ends with this institution. And this project for Football for Peace, I'm like, now the teams that I used to have now are coming to me. I'm no longer in these institutions, but my partners or these students who are playing 
in this particular tournament are like, Omondi, we want more football tournaments. What do you do? I don't have a field. I don't have an institution. I just have my body and myself just walking along the streets. But because of these young people, I say, look, guys, there is something. We have a holiday in December. It is called Jamuhuri Day. I have this rough idea. But before I got into that, I did develop something called, uh, we, we, together we developed something and we called it Youth Symposium. And in this Youth Symposium, 63, 68 young people attended this symposium and that was back in 2015. And I presented to them an idea I had about Global Youth Forum and what I actually wanted to do. So out of these 68 participants, I recruited 30 volunteers. And I never knew what I was going to do with these volunteers. Probably it was because there were ladies in there. That, like I just brought these 30 people, no idea what I wanted to do with them. But then they now said, because we, we've, we've done this football, how about us organizing our own tournament? We don't have date and we don't have things like that. Then I'm like, oh, I've just organized a football tournament with a Rotaract club. I want to pick this element and just do it like now out there. And then we managed to roll our first football tournament in December 2015. That was chaotic, I tell you. Referees were being beaten up. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know how to run fixtures. It was all chaotic. And I'm like, wow, I've used all my saving to put like higher field, higher goalpost, and do all these things. And it is. it turns out that it is very chaotic. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is chaotic. Am I going to give up or things like that? I'm like, 2017, I go to 2016, I have to do a good job here so that people can trust me so that I can do something really nice. Come 2016, obviously then, then casting was my first trip to UK where, where I served as um, Essex International Jamboree International staff. So after that, like uh, after this tournament in Mombasa, then I traveled to UK. But before then, in this tournament, it turned out that I got 16 football teams. And on this one, I awarded the first team 50,000 Kenya shillings. And this first team that got this award happens to be led by somebody from US working with street children. So my money went to sponsor these children to go to school or these young people to go to school. I felt motivated because my money was going to do something good. And I'm like, I want to do more of this. I really want to do more of this. So then we cruise along. Up to today, I have 100, 112 football teams, and I have done 12 tournaments in four different counties in Kenya. And around 35 organizations have supported this football for peace. So we, we've been moving on, but by the time we were now just starting to pick, and now my things were like all like we are now set like you you are running a hundred meters race and before they just say go COVID-19 strike and you can imagine an outdoor industry that believes in going and playing with people having that fun now here you have social distancing you can't go out and do things you are playing sport you want to engage people social distancing comes in but I want to bring you back since we started we've never had a physical office so every single time people were asking, where is Global Youth Forum? And we are like, we are digitally placed. Like we got a digital office. They won't pay the registration fee because they don't trust us. So it took us a little bit of hard work to convince them to pay us. So when COVID-19 striked, 
we had already been in that space of a virtual, like doing our things virtually, engaging people on messages. So I felt like we, we, we got this one. So then together with our team, we sat down and designed um, virtual challenges, just like Kasti, when you are like talking about environment, we could ask people to like, for example, because our football tournament has always been on building peace in Kenya. So what we ask them, imagine you are the, the chairperson of the, the electoral body in Kenya. What will you do to ensure that election is free and fair? So we had loads of these challenges where we gave people signs and tasks to go do and report back and we give them points and people won and we give them money in return. And that was very interesting when it came to, to 2020. And that has moved me on to like even now, like now what I do with, with Global Youth Forum and many other organizations. I never imagined I would be a virtual, virtual producer. If you see what I mean, totally different field. And now people pay me to do that. So at Global Youth Forum, like now, what we are doing, we are empowering young people with employability skills to enable them get jobs and income and live better lives and also contribute towards eradicating poverty in their homes. And using my journey and my staff and through this network space, I've been able to thrive on this space and probably cast it is through these online platforms that we connected. And you can imagine if we didn't have the COVID-19 in relation to what I do, and for members join like wondering like, oh, who are you in Global Youth Forum? I happen to be the founder and CEO of Global Youth Forum, which makes me so excited to be passionate about young people, leading things I really do want to, to see them do. And like, I just want to meet Kasti and Jackies of this world, just to grow the world together and find people who can energize me in relation to empowering young people to do that which they want to create a better world. So purely that's it, Jackie. Okay, so you just said for people to energize you, you're so energized. You are infusing energy in me. I don't know if you agree with that, Kirsty. Every time I speak to Peter, I send him a message on WhatsApp saying I feel so enthusiastic after our meetings. You're like an absolute recharge of battery. It's wonderful. It really so is. Much. And this whole connection of, I love the organic story of this was just an idea and I had passion and I didn't know what I was doing or where it was going. But all I knew is that I cared about, I loved football, cared about kids. I wanted to have kids have more opportunities. How could I do that? You created this whole like tournament and you're like, you're saying it was chaotic. This started back in 2015. So this is you know, going a while back that you've been working on this. I had no idea all this history. So thank you so much for sharing uh, this with myself and Kirsty and, you know, our listeners that, you know, it takes time, but then you get to a point where it is now just growing. And it makes me think about the ripple effect and how you are impacting students who then are going to impact other people in their community. So you're not only teaching them skills of how to get a job and, and help pull themselves out of poverty, but then bring that to other people in their family, in their community. And so you're laying the groundwork for it to be this whole ripple effect throughout Kenya and, you know, potentially past, you know, your own country. Um, so I think that is amazing. I commend you both for the work that you're doing. I love this piece about how almost like the pandemic in a way became the silver lining of, we were kind of already moving into that virtual space and we were kind of ahead of the game because that's what we were able to do. And then it just kind of like evolved from there. And I do believe that 
um, a positive from the pandemic, a takeaway is that we're able to connect like this globally. I mean, I'm in New Jersey in the United States, Kirsty's in England, Amandi's in Kenya. We're connecting through WhatsApp, we're connecting on LinkedIn, we're in different groups where I met Amandi and all of this happening in, in a month's time. Like I just came to know Amandi in, in January. So this is it's incredible to just think about how quick we can connect. That means also maybe how quick we can actually produce change in this world because we're able to do this together in this virtual place. So I'm just feeling so inspired right now. Um, so kind of going into like maybe this, it's usually my last part, but this is more of a conversation of, you know, not only the work that you're doing, but just in general, how do you see education in the world and what are some of the ideas of how we can advance it and, and make it the best possible and really have our students become equipped to be living in, you know, the world through the rest of the 21st century and so forth. So any ideas, either Amandi or Kirsty, you want to start with sharing? Amandi, do you want to go ahead? Got any thoughts? All right. Let me jump on. If ladies say so, they are right. So we, we just jump on because ladies have said it. But look, um, going, going, going on to this education system and what like I've gone through, I think like every single child or every single person that goes through education, they have like different needs. We are not equal. So just like going back to my story, I love football. Another young person might love cricket. Another young person might love those books. They want to be lecturers. They want to be tutors. So we are all special in our own way. And the education system that we have, get a hundred people into a student, subject them to scripts like that, ask them to read, ask them to pass those exams. For me, I don't think that that's, that's the system we really need to use. We need to identify these students' needs in terms of talents, passions, what drives them, what change do they want to use, and tailor content and training to help them achieve that, not put them like sheep in a class and then stand before them and give them same content set the same exams and judge them based on their performance in those exams. For me, I feel an education system that looks at the talents, the passions, and all these people, like all these things that a child is really good at. And building on that will help us even make people want to like grow, want to like be part of education systems and things like that. And when you have education system that probably focuses only on the young people, I look at an education system that brings together the parents, the children or the young people, the industries that employ them. For example, you can hear Kasti was looking for jobs in zoology and uh, there were no jobs. Imagine if those industries were part of co-creating those curriculums and systems to help people like Kasti, help people like Peter go play his football, but still be given the exams on football. I will pass. I'll do a, a football exam even at night. I'll do a football anytime, like give me something related to sport. I will wake up and I will deal with that. Talk to me about trigonometry, I'm off. Like, I don't want to hear them. Like, talk to me about, like, I just don't want. So the point here I'm like looking to say, if every stakeholder in the community is involved in the designing of a curriculum that meets every single, in every single, child needs, then the education will be more interesting, fun, energizing, and 
like you really want to be part of that. So in terms of my thoughts, just that is just a really quick one in terms of like what Jackie you have asked. Yeah. That's wonderful. I 100% agree. I have talked about that many times on the show that there needs to be definitely more community sense with bringing in parents and connecting with the teachers, administrators, all the stakeholders should be part of the curriculum writing process, or at least like getting, um, you know, more input from students and having more transparency. I think we're in a place where transparency is vital in all systems, but, you know, we're talking about education. Like, I think the, a lot of the issues we saw in America during the pandemic is that parents didn't feel like they knew what was really going on in schools and they didn't know why we were teaching certain things in curriculum. And instead of having a more open forum conversation, it just became kind of like a fight battle back and forth at some of these school board meetings. If you've been hearing about that in America, it was pretty awful in 2021. Um, but I do think we need to include everyone and there needs to be choice. You're right. Students all learn a different way. We all have different talents and skills. And instead of feeling inefficient, because I think that is what comes first, is that a student feels, well, I can't do this. Or you hear like, I'm bad at math, or I'm bad at you know writing, or I'm not that great of a reader. And that's first before I'm an artist and I really love painting, or I'm an athlete and I'm really good with like strategy on the field. Like that should come first. And of course, there's always things that we want to work on. We don't want to have children just feel like, well, I'm excellent at everything and I have nothing to improve and work upon, but it should come first of like, what are you really passionate about and what are you good at? And let's foster that while let's, you know, key fundamental academic areas like reading, writing, basic arithmetic, learning about the sciences, learning about sustainability, that's all important. And there should be some foundational knowledge, but then gearing those children towards really what they're passionate about and realizing they're learning in different ways. Um, and even along the like learning spectrum, like we talk about neurodiversity versus neurotypical, like those children who are on the autism spectrum, who have dyslexia, who have, you know, Asperger's or Tourette's or all of these different areas of thinking and processing information differently is not that you are other, but you are thinking differently. And how do we foster that as well because I think putting people into boxes, which we've done for a really long time in schools and in society is just not working anymore. Um, and I think we're at this point where we have to look at it in a different way. So thank you for sharing about Amandi. And yeah, anything you want to share, Kirsty? Yeah, sure. I, th I think actually my ideas chime in really nicely in support and time with what you've both said. I think in terms of young people, I'd love to see a shift in education that's much more empowering of young people to follow those passions, to pursue their interests. Um, and as teachers and educators in society to you know, better be able to equip young people. I certainly think that the current generation that we're all dealing with are a lot more vocal and feel more confident to have their opinions heard and to stand up and say, yes, I'm a kid, but this is what I think and I think it matters, which I think even from you know the time I was a young child, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence and the ability to do that. So I'd love to see that sort of momentum continuing through education that where we're really empowering young people to, you know, make their own choices, to, you know, to tell adults what they feel and what they think and you know, explain why it's important to them. And, and as adults, I think it's our role to, you know, to listen to that as well and have that feed into what children want to learn about. And I think, as you mentioned, the pandemic was a great shift in 
the amazing ability to connect with people around the world, to connect young people with, you know, young students around the world they'd never have the opportunity otherwise to meet with, to speak with, to learn from. Um, but I think also now that we're coming out of the pandemic, it's really important to reconnect young people with nature, because I think that's something that certainly has been lost within formal education systems. We're much more classroom based. It's very academically focused. And I think actually being able to reconnect young people with nature is a, a really important thing I'd like to see moving forward. And then obviously sustainability is one of my interests. So putting sustainability at the heart of all the curriculums and having it integrated into all the subjects that we're teaching and learning about. And one of the things that we're trying to do at TSL is help to equip teachers with that. So many teachers around the world are not confident to teach sustainability or climate change. They don't fully perhaps understand it themselves. They're not sure how they can integrate it into something outside of the science or geography topics where it typically sits. They're not sure how to engage young people with that topic without instilling fear into them and causing climate anxiety. Um, so I think more support for, for teachers, certainly in understanding and teaching climate change in a way that encourages positive action and empowers young people to be able to make those changes are things that I'd really like to see moving forward to continue developing. Thank you. I didn't think about um, just the specific aspect of also equipping teachers, right? I think that's a really important area to focus on because we often will think, well, this is what the teacher should be doing and they need to be teaching this and they need to be doing that. And then there's not the the um, issue of, but how, <laughs> but how do you do that? So, and also part of that is timing, right? We need to give schools and teachers the time to really meaningfully work on this curriculum. I would love to see um, environmental education, sustainability, climate change education in all areas of school and in subjects it can connect to pretty much everything I just think you need to have the pro professional development and the training for teachers they want to feel like yes I want some creativity and my own way of teaching but can you kind of give me maybe a guide or something to at least get me started and then maybe working as a department to do that because um, I think that's important for kids to see in all areas and not just like this lives in the science class or geography um and also, I like this uh, idea of not having climate anxiety. Not really talked about that before. And that's a real thing. And I teach psychology. And I actually had a student, it was a couple of months ago, present a, uh, they do like uh, current events, but around psychology. And she actually presented on climate, climate anxiety. And I don't think that's something people realize, but in this generation and generations to come, like, that's what they think about a lot, you know, because they see it, they see it in the news, they see it in their own environments and they're young and they're like, what is the world going to look like when I'm a parent or an adult? And like, how am I going to raise children? And I want to be able to feel like I have a future ahead of me. And so teaching in a way where it's about empowering them to be an advocate and work on, you know, different, you know, nonprofit organizations or how they can, you know, impact policy or whatever that is, and that they do have some kind of, you know, control. Um, it's not completely just, you know, out there and left to these like politicians and governments where we often find that they're not doing anything. So I think that's a really, really important concept. So thank you. Amanda, you had your hand up. You wanted to share something about that? Yeah, my hand was up because um, because of a point in, in, in here. Um, about about this education 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 and environment and because of like the like we we like now you have a lot of trips going on 
a lot of trips working about how do we decarbonize uh, our our planet so you can imagine how ma how many people are going out so you look you look at what trust and sustainable living is doing like mobilizing people and spending their resources to actually deliver results for me i think and i know Kasti, you might be touching on this one look at your platform where teachers and students can get to learn skills imagine if we have such tools provided we've given these students or young people a chance to, to be able to learn, for example, that capability and the mindset of being able to learn, and then showing them the paths or the platforms where they can get this learning. To me, I think as we move along, and that is where a technology and this, uh, Jackie, linking to your question on the pandemic and how people had to like still continue with what they were doing much effectively online, I think this is something we can learn and also put into the conservation of environment. Like how can we make education more accessible and cheap such that more can get into it and we can get more impact. So I just wanted to dive right in. And for members joining, just like, you know, Kasti in UK and Jack in, in, in US, it is just getting dark in Kenya. So that's, 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 that's where we are at the moment. So that, there we go. Unless I set my lights on, but that's really where we are, the, the diversity of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this bridge of technology, but yet getting out in nature. It's just like, it's not one or the other, because I know sometimes in society, we like to just swing we're like a pendulum. We're like, well, we all went online and we're just on computers almost all the time. And now we just need to completely get off of them. But look at the beautiful connection that we have here and how that can impact students. Like, you know, we do it now in my own school where we can bring in guest speakers from around the world to talk to our students in the classroom. But, you know, think about like you were saying, Amandi, where kids maybe don't have access to schools, like a school building or adequate education, but imagine like a schooling program online where they can now access teachers from all over and they can learn about so many more different subjects and areas and then giving them maybe more one-on-one -on -one mentorship because now again, we have the ability to do that virtually and now go and take that out to your community, go out in nature, go out and look at your environment. And so you're you're bringing the two together. So I love this whole connection of, again, virtual spaces, but nature. And I do believe we have to um, infuse nature education in schools more so and getting the kids outside and uh, linking them to their own local environment and maybe looking at the local needs in their environment. And that's something I hope we're able to do through this sustainability project that we're gonna have at my school is looking at like the local area and what are the needs or what are the resources that we can use so that we're not like overusing resources or we're, we're not you know using the land in the way. Like we have Native Americans still in our area of New Jersey, the Lenape Lanai, who are all from like New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania. And they're still an active group. And so how can we also maybe learn from indigenous people and learn about how they take care of the land and how we should be treating the land and learning more locally about that. So wonderful yeah. ideas. Anything else that you would like to share, Christy? Yeah, I think in terms of sustainability, particularly having that local and the global perspective is really important. Obviously, sustainability and climate change are, are now affecting everyone everywhere around the world. But those local impacts are very, very different. 
Um, so I think having that that broader view and being able to connect with teachers and educators and scientists and other people globally to understand what's happening at global levels is really important, as well as being able to understand locally what's happening and what's relevant to you and where you are and the, the local challenges that you're going to be facing are just as important and as relevant as something that's, you know, the opposite for someone else that's experiencing those and understanding that. So being able to have that local connection to the nature and the community and the environment directly where you're living or where you're learning, as well as seeing then how that links with the wider impacts that are going on globally is really important. So I'm glad you raise that. I think so. Yeah. Local to global. It's all all connected. Um, anything else you want to share, Amandi, before we finish up here today? Um, I think I must have covered all. Probably we need another show now with, with other with other stakeholders. So probably we yeah. need to get more people into the house so we can I love be that. ambassadors of this quality education and things like that. But for me, I just think, um, yeah, with what podcast, with what uh, teachers story podcast, and again, trust for sustainable living, and again, global youth forum. I think we we got a deal here. We we can drive that change. We really do want to see. I'm just getting the like-minded together. Obviously, getting partnerships because people have got like their different like different needs. But if we can put the universal values, just like Jackie will agree with me, the universal values together, and then that, like then determine what actually matters when all these things that we see around us goes. What else are we left with? It is our green environment, the air we breathe, sometimes even not the big houses, not even the big cars we have. It is what we leave for our next generation. What will they inherit from us? And if we see that and we put that in front of us, I think we will be more inspired to create even a bigger impact, greater than all of us, that even the next generation can say, hey, I'm proud Casti lived, I'm proud Jackie lived, and I'm proud Peter lived. So they come and occupy our spaces smiling and not mourning why they they had to be born i think that will be my my last words like uh on, on that particular ask there that's beautiful and that just like reminds me of we have a responsibility and i think that you know i'm not here we're not here to lecture but we do like all of the humans in this world have a responsibility we are part of this so even if we're we can be frustrated with the generation before us and the generations before us but that's not going to get us anywhere. So we kind of have to just start from where we are present and say, we're living here and this is our home. And that's how we're all connected as well as humans is that we literally have one home, right? It's our planet. And we have a responsibility to actually take some action and not you know, have these conversations, but take action. And I think when we do that as adults, um, then the, the younger generation, the students will be like, okay, I care too, right? They care. I care. We have to model that for them. If we're not modeling it for them, then it's very easy for them to say, well, why should I care? Kids yeah. always think like that. Like they're like, well, if my parents don't care or my teachers don't care, why should I care? They are watching us all the time. And so we have to model that sense of responsibility and how important it is. And that it's not just for lip service or it's not just about politics. It doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. It's literally your home, right? So politics really need to be removed from it as well. Uh, thank you so much for both of you for coming on the show. And I'm so, so excited to be connected to both of you and see how we continue our collaboration and maybe bring on other voices together in this like forum style conversation about 
taking care of the next generation. So any final words or any information you'd like to leave our listeners about how they can contact you? And I can include all that in the show notes. I'll have links to your websites and LinkedIn profiles. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. So uh, our next sort of essay competition and video competition will start launching in September uh, for the next academic year. So you can find details of that on the Trust for Sustainable Living website, which Jackie very kindly is going to share, which is trustforsustainablelivingorg And uh, Amandi also briefly mentioned we have created an online platform. So it's kind of a community learning hub. It's very much in the beta stages still. Um, but that's tsl.earth and we've got a lot of education resources on there and we're hoping that that's going to be a virtual space where teachers and students can network, can learn more, can connect with each other, can share resources, can hear from experts and can be a platform for youth and teacher voices to be heard as well. So tsl.earth and trustforsustainableliving.org if you want to connect with us would be wonderful. Wonderful. I will link that and I will definitely love to be part of that uh, tsl.earth. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And if, if you are looking to connect with me, by the way, my friends, I'm all over the place. So for Global Youth Forum First, uh, you can, we got, we got something on Career Connect coming up around 26th of May. Obviously the registration have closed, but the major program starts in, in June where we are looking now to provide hands-on employability skills with practical challenges that young people can join and take. And at the end of that all, which we want to run till December this year, we are looking to get at least 10 young people into real work. We get you training and we want to ensure like you get a job. But obviously with these things, we can't promise you to give you like, we can't promise to give you a job if you don't put in the work. There is a lot of work that really needs to go into it that you, that will involve sacrifices, a bit of commitment and all those stuff. So for partners working or looking to help support the marginalized communities, because our focus is those students or young people who can't afford this program, but they really want to get out of poverty. We are looking for partners for that. Either you can, you can be part of us, not necessarily on money, you can donate your time to mentor and coach, tailor on CV training, or you just work with us on the program. So we welcome that. Mm-hmm. And then the participants for you people, young people, obviously you can check Global Youth Forum on Facebook, Global Youth Forum, Facebook. For me, it is Omondi Peter. And our website is www.global-youthforum.org. And obviously Jackie will connect. You do drop me a message, I will respond and I will stop everyone to just check what you are up to and then we can always engage. So that's for us. Yes, and Amandi for sure will reach out to you. He is awesome at just responding and connecting to so many people, um, bringing us all together here today. So thank you, both of you doing really great work in the world. And I am so, so fortunate for this conversation and continuing our connection and collaboration so thank you and have a great day thank you jackie for the opportunity to share and thank you for setting up an amazing podcast to try and connect teachers around the world thank you bye and see you soon bye thank you bye
Thank you for listening to The Teacher's Story. If you like this story, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also follow this podcast on YouTube and subscribe and leave a comment. All reviews help this podcast keep going and elevating teacher voices. <music>